Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Amazing. Um, hi there. If you haven't met me before, my name's Abby. Um, I've been part of the CCM community for, I think, about four years now. Um, so it's a joy to be with you all this morning through Zoom. Now, during lockdown, we've gotten to know cabinet ministers quite well through the daily briefings, haven't we? I was having a conversation with my cousin over Skype, and we were um, having a go at naming some of the ministers, um, knowledge that we maybe didn't have before. And did you know that the UK has a Minister of Loneliness? In 2017, there was a report that said that 9 million out of 67 million UK residents feel lonely some or all of the time. That's a huge number, 9 out of 67 million. So the government had assigned a new role and sort of ironically, we're already on our third Minister of Loneliness. So the issue of isolation has been a big problem way before lockdown. And as I was preparing a message for today, I felt God talking to me about friendship, something that feels so vital right now. The usual means and modes of seeing one another has changed so much, but our world is still desperate for friendships and good ones at that. And we're starting a new series in the book of Ruth, and the Book of Ruth is a short story, only a matter of pages, but there are many lessons for us in it. And the book shows us how three people, Ruth, Naomi and Boaz, who will meet during this preaching series, how these three people remain strong in character and true to God, even when the society around them was collapsing. Now, most of this story is set in Bethlehem. And of course, we know Bethlehem now because of King David and Jesus. But in the time it was set, Bethlehem wasn't famous at all. And later on, we're going to hear about Ruth and Boaz, the love story that has led to so many amazing memes. So you can look forward to that in a few weeks. But we're going to be just looking at the first chapter today, Ruth chapter one. Now, this book has much to say about a remarkable friendship between Ruth and a woman from Bethlehem called Naomi. I love this book for many reasons, but one reason is that the main characters and even most of the minor characters in this story are women too. In the ancient world, women were amongst the groups of people most oppressed. And we'll find out later how Ruth becomes a widow. And there was almost nothing worse than being a widow in the ancient world. Widows were taken advantage of or ignored, and they were almost always living in poverty. The setting for Ruth's story was a dark time in Israel's history, when people live for themselves and not for God. And we'll find that the book of Ruth is a story of God's grace in the midst of difficult circumstances. We'll also discover the power of relationships with one another and how they can point to the friendship we can have with God. So let's dive into Ruth chapter one. If you've got your Bible with you, 
I'll just give you a second. Ruth is quite near the start of the Bible. Uh, we're just reading Ruth chapter one today. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrates from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they'd lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return from there. But with her two daughters-in-law, she left that place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, of you as showing kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So that is the end of Ruth chapter one. The book of Ruth starts with dark and desperate days that force 
a family to flee across the border as refugees. A famine breaks out which forced many Israelites to leave their homes. And for Naomi and her husband Elimelech, things have become so bad that they felt there was no other choice but to move to the land of Moab. But this is really interesting because Moab wasn't really a place of safety for their people. There'd been bad blood between Moab and Israel for some time. It couldn't have been easy for this family to consider starting a new life there. But nevertheless, they did move to Moab. And like those in modern day fleeing for their lives from war and famine, they became asylum seekers needing temporary protection. And so right at the centre of our story is a displaced family. But then tragedy strikes again and Naomi's husband dies. She's now a widow and a single parent in a foreign land. Her sons marry Moabite women, one to Orpah and the other to Ruth. But then another 10 years later, both of Naomi's sons die. Naomi is now totally alone and Ruth and Orpah have also become widows. Quite suddenly, all the male characters have disappeared. And like I said before, the ancient world was a tough place for women. They had very low status. And being married and having male children was a form of protection. These three women had become very vulnerable. There was no welfare state, no support on offer. It's a harrowing start to the story. Naomi is grieving, she's vulnerable, she's living in poverty, she's isolated. But then they hear that Bethlehem is on the brink of a successful harvest and they make this difficult decision to return. And Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, go back to each of you, like, go home to your mothers. Can you imagine this scene in your mind, the three women debating what they should do? Should they leave and find new husbands? The equivalent of finding protection and a way out of poverty? Or should they stay with their mother-in-law but risk a life of hardship? And Orpah within her rights eventually decides to say goodbye. But Ruth clung to Naomi. I think that's one of my favourite lines in that chapter. Ruth clung to her mother-in-law. This relationship has become personal. Ruth is not only making a commitment to Naomi, she's committing herself to Naomi's God. Ruth was a Moabitess, and so at this point we're drawn into a beautiful friendship between two refugee women from different nations and different backgrounds, but still Naomi and Ruth become bound together. And I think in this moment, Ruth shows us profound faithfulness, compassion and loyalty. This step to become more personal with her mother-in-law shows the imprint of a relational God. Friendship's kind of an opportunity to mirror this relationship we can have with God. It's an opportunity to mirror the relationship that he gives us. And actually this part of their story is a great reminder that God has designed us to need each other. We are to relate to one another, to become personal. Genesis 2.18 says this, it's not good for mankind, humankind, to be alone. Or in the words of poet John Dunn, no man is an island. So the solution to Naomi's isolation was relationship. 
Now I can remember in my first year of university, moving into halls of residence as a fresher. And I had a quite a tough time in that first flat. I didn't really click with the people I lived with. They were really into the party scene. There was a lot of drugs going around and I struggled to settle in. And after a little while, I actually uh, found a different halls of residence that I could move into. And I can remember um, speaking to Alicia, who is a member of CCM. And we were only just like new friends. Um, but I remember sharing this story with Alicia and asking if she could help me move rooms. And so Alicia and a bunch of guys from CCM helped me pack up my stuff and set up my new room. And that evening, um, Alicia offered a really lovely sign of friendship. She invited me to join her friends in this new flat. Uh, we had popcorn and we watched a movie. And that is a really lovely memory of the start of our friendship. You see, good friends will help you in a time of need. They'll ground you. Good friends will cling to you through life's storms. Ruth decided to get personal and show her commitment to Naomi by traveling back to Bethlehem. She clung to Naomi. I wonder, how are we doing at relating to one another with the kind of friendship Ruth demonstrates? How are we doing as image bearers of a relational God? I wonder if you've ever thought about your circle of influence. Maybe you've seen a diagram drawn on a training course. It's often something that's used as a bit of a leadership development tool. Essentially, you are in the middle and various circles are drawn around you. And closest to you would be your super close friends and family. Those that you'd share anything with, you are yourself with. And then there's a circle of friends that are kind of good mates. Those you see fairly regularly, but it wouldn't be weird if you didn't speak to them for a week. And perhaps we could also include those you have on social media and you share little bits of your life with and you see little bits of theirs. And then on the outside of that is a circle of acquaintances. Those you get on with, but they're not your best pals. Maybe they're some uni friends or people you went to school with, those that you work in an office with. Well, the people in our inner circle tend to have the most influence on us. We may take on their behaviours. We value their input and we rely on their support. Close friends can multiply joy and divide our sorrows. Our closest friends encourage us in our strengths. But they can also shield us from our weaknesses. Ruth had made the decision to stay with Naomi. Not only had their relationship become personal, but their proximity to one another had massively shifted. In that moment when Ruth could have left, like Orpah did, she came close to Naomi's suffering. Brian Stevenson is um, an author and the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. And he said this, if you are willing to get closer to people who are suffering, you will find the power to change the world. If you are willing to get closer to people who are suffering, you will find the power to change the world. Ruth's choice to be in close proximity to Naomi, this vulnerable woman, a widow, meant that they could change each other's story. Now, of course, at the moment, it's hard to have any real physical proximity with our friends. 
two meters is the legal guidance, right? But we can still have emotional proximity. And we can be there for one another within this church community and with our friends outside of CCMT. But what does this look like? I think we can look throughout the Bible for different examples of, of how to live and how to live for Jesus. And we can turn to passages like Romans 12 for guidance. You can flick to Romans 12 with me or I'll just read it out for us. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. So thinking back to Ruth chapter one, Ruth had her own desperate situation. She had also lost a husband, but she chose to have a selfless attitude and come close to Naomi. Paul writing there in Romans is saying that we're called to prefer one another. Our love should be sincere and not just a show we put on. We are to honour each other. And I'm sure we can all think of friends who are great at championing us, who see the gold amongst the dirt and the dust around us. And I'm really thankful for friends, even this week, who've messaged to say, Abby, what can I be praying for you? People who've just sent me funny pictures and cheered me up. Friends who have discussed big decisions I'm making, who've let me vent down the phone at them. I'm thankful for those friends, particularly in CCM, who have gotten close, even when that's meant getting a bit of a close-up view of my life in times of difficulty. And that can be hard. You know, at the end of chapter one, we see how Naomi struggles with Ruth's persistence. She says that her new name is Mara, meaning bitter. She's resistant to this friendship, and sometimes we can struggle to let people in too. So if you're jotting down some notes, maybe you want to jot down these questions. Who do you let in? Who do you champion? Ruth and Naomi shared deep sorrow, but also deep affection for one another. And our friendships are a space for that type of proximity that means our pain and our joy is shared with others. Because God has made us to be relational. And not only was Ruth and Naomi's friendship personal and in close proximity, it was also pivotal. And I don't want to give too many spoilers for the next few weeks, but this decision for these two women to go back to Bethlehem would change everything. Ruth's choice to return with Naomi was an important event. And as we're talking about friendship, what are the pivotal moments that stick out in your life? Maybe you had a brilliant youth worker who taught you about God. I can remember my youth workers, Matt and Jenny, who would often invite them, invite us into their home where we would do Bible studies and pray together. They were pivotal in my life. 
Perhaps you've got some really good friends who will pray for you in times of crisis. Maybe someone had invited you to church or to an Alpha course and the trajectory of your life changed. And if you're a Christian today, you will have encountered the presence of God. And I hope you have an intimate friendship with him. These pivotal events almost always occur in the context of relationship. You know, the greatest event in history, Jesus's death and resurrection, happened in the context of relationship. The father sent his son and Jesus died for humanity. He died for us. Jesus's friends had crowded around that cross and then they saw him rise days later. And because of the cross, there is victory over sin and God is restoring all things. And we can have a relationship with the living God. And if you haven't yet given your life to this saviour, then there's an invite to explore more. You could attend our virtual alpha course that's starting soon. It could be the most pivotal moment in your life. God is able to meet us in our loneliness, in our lack of connection, like he's the greatest friend. Our world has many fractured relationships, doesn't it? We've seen the broken relationships between people of different races highlighted lately. And we know that many of us have a broken relationship with our environment. We've seen the effects of that through climate change. There are many people who don't know Jesus yet and we pray for restoration of their relationship with God. We know there are many outworkings of broken relationships in how our world runs. There's corrupt leaders, systems that are oppressive, addiction, hate and greed. And how often do we see these broken relationships in our lives and in the wider society and just stick at the seeing stage? Ruth could have chosen to leave and abandon her vulnerable mother-in-law. But instead, she got close to Naomi's suffering. She saw it and she stuck with her and she started to rewrite the narrative. It can be hard to deconstruct what's in front of us and choose to do something about it. And in a way, our society worships individualism. We've got wonderful technology that I'm so thankful for right now to keep us connected. But there are many people who are lonely. We still need that minister of loneliness. There's many people needing the type of community the church has to offer. And Ruth's response is a helpful model of outstanding friendship. Ruth acted and what resulted was pivotal in both of their lives. So I just want to summarise some of the main points I've made this morning. We can lean into personal relationships with our close friends. And actually, as Christians, we need to be praying together. And as we're doing life and speaking regularly, we need to make sure that God is involved in that friendship. We need to be sharing when we're struggling and watching out for each other. And we can work on our proximity to one another. Jesus got close to those who were suffering. And if we want to be more like him, we need to build friendships where we can say, where you go, I'll go. Like, I'm here for you. We can use those words that Ruth shared to Naomi. I'm, I'm with you, where you go, I'll go. 
And finally, our friendships have the opportunity to facilitate these pivotal, life-changing moments. You know, an invite to Alpha you're sitting on could be the biggest thing in someone's life. A text just asking how things are going. We can commit to praying for one another and our broken world. And we can meet with God and have friendship with him. Jesus had walked with his disciples for probably around three years when one day we read in, in John 15, one day he says to them, no longer do I call you servants, but I've called you friends. And just like the early disciples, we can walk with him in friendship. And we can experience this friendship in our day to day. So just to close, I want to read a few lyrics from Will Reagan's song, Need You More. When I'm lost, when I'm alone, when my faith is almost gone, you see my heart and you lead me home. You give me courage to carry on. I need you more. I need you more than my very breath. Father, I just pray today that you would help us to become outstanding friends, that we would be modelling how Jesus lived and walked on the earth with those around us. And Father, we want a more intimate friendship with you. And so we ask for that today. Amen.